You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Mavs. Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by the mail to my bag, the editor of The Smoking Cuban. What you got for me, Isaac? Mailbag. What's the, um, do you remember the theme song for Blue's Clues? Here's the mail, it never, never fails. fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to yell, mail. My sister mail. had a Blue's Clues my my sister had a Blue's Clues theme room going growing up. She watched that show so much, just oh so gosh. much. I actually did enjoy that show growing up. And his little like note notebook or like not really notebook, a little book he pulled out with his little big old crayon. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was the handy dandy notebook. The handy dandy notebook. You know what he did not wear in that TV show was the new hats for sale. He did. He did not wear the new hats. <laughs> He did not. The new Mavericks City Collection hats that I posted on Twitter today. Uh, so go check my timeline for those. Uh, they match the leaked jerseys that we talked about on the last show. Well, the, the the jerseys are real. I mean, we talked about it on the pod. So, like, the jerseys are black. They're, they're going to happen. They might not be exactly what it looks like on the game, but... I was about 90% sure that they were real from 2K. But there was that 10% of me that was like, what if they just, what if 2K just came up with these jerseys and it's not the real ones? No, 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 no. We've talked to people and we know that has some sort of weight, but. It's about 10%. They're about 10% of me. And then these hats just completely obliterated that. If I wore the black hat to a game, what would you do? Uh, there'd be lots of jokes as. As of normal, there was a bunch of jokes, at least from Moneyball people, about them being Dallas Cowboys hats, because <laughs> they kind of look like that. But it has green. But there's the format, and the, the DAL just looks like Dallas Cowboys. Oh. Uh, I thought another team's looked more like Cowboys. Maybe the Pistons, maybe. I don't know. The Pistons ones. The Pistons ones look like the Cowboys hat with just the D on it. Like, they looked exactly yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. And I joked with a guy... Uh, that writes for blog for, writes for the uh, Pistons Bad Boys, the Pistons blog. I was like, it looks like these look like a uh, like the Cowboys just had an excess of those D hats and they wanted to get rid of them, and so they just gave them the Pistons, and the Pistons just like embroidered extra stuff on it. <laughs> They're like, let's just add a few things. I actually might buy the black one. Stop! No, don't buy these hats. I might do it. I don't like. I don't mind it that bad. I mean, the blue with the green, that's horrific. That but, one's bad. But the, a lot the, of the, the other one teams. The, the base is blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just horrible. But a lot of the other teams, I thought they looked really good. Like, I like the baby yeah, blue with the red on Chicago's. Like, some of those I think look really good. But Utah, okay. What are you, the Miami Heat now? <laughs> that's weird. I liked Miami's a lot. I'm actually it looking had, it, through some it of them. It has like the the pink the pink script letters. I don't think I've seen it. I like Those Washington. Washington's kind of the Kings hat looks better than the jerseys. Let's say that. I think so too. Yeah, Utah is weird. Utah like they almost look like the old Rockets with uh, with Hakeem. 
they have like the red and then it like gradients into a, a yellow. <laughs> Just so odd. Oh, here's the Dallas hat. Even the NBA logo on the back is that like green. The Spurs ones are all camouflage. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird. They have like a camouflage base. I might get this anyway, Dallas hat. I'm just throwing don't it out you, there. Don't you dare. I like the uh, the Orlando hats as hats better than jerseys with, the, with the, the space looking thing. The hats definitely make, like I like Atlanta's. Yeah, I like the Orlando's. Like the hats I think definitely make uh, some of the jerseys look good. And, and once again, let's wait till we see them in person before we throw out a final, final judgment. Nope, I hate them still. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, when I see them, they'll probably not look as bad as they do now. But All right, what we are doing today is we're doing a mailbag, as we <laughs> talked about at the top of the show. We asked for your questions. We will do this again, definitely. Uh, didn't get a ton of response. Didn't get the response that I got the last time I did a mailbag. Uh, you did it because, on Reddit last time. No, no, no. Before, before Reddit, I did one. Uh, and I got a ton of response. I got you know a ton of questions, and it was but it was before the season, so it was like uh, everybody, everybody was super tight. excited, and now everybody's like, our team is eight and twenty-one or whatever. And yeah, <laughs> but eight and twenty-one means second in the lottery standings right now, guys. So, uh oh, thank so. you, Nikola Miritich. <laughs> Miritich right behind the Hawks. I don't know if we can catch the Hawks. They don't really have no. a player that we can hope that, and I think they'll probably be in sell mode come the deadline but yeah Schroeder Collins and everybody else is good everybody else can be sold <laughs> yeah pretty much so all right we're gonna go through a couple of the questions I also got I did get a, a good number of questions though and I'm gonna do a, uh, a written mailbag over on Mavs Moneyball with some of the ones that I thought wouldn't really work in this kind of format I thought it would be better if I wrote them out so all right the first question is not necessarily from the mailbag questionnaire it was he it was a question posed to uh, jeff skin wade and he answered it and i thought it was interesting i thought we could go through it so basically in a roundabout way jeff skin wade said that maxi is somewhere between nurkic and larry nance jr and i countered with no he's definitely a better shooter than them i think he's somewhere between porzingis and frank kaminsky and then i thought about it more and I, I changed it again, but I'll tell you what it is. And Jeff Skin Wade came back and said that he moves laterally better than both of those guys. And I'm like, I don't know about Porzingis, but I can definitely see Kaminsky for sure. Better laterally? Ooh. That's what, that's, what, that's what Skin said. Uh, and so the question now is, if you had to explain every Mavs player, and we're only going to do five now, if you had to explain Mavs players using two active players, who would they be? So you're basically saying, okay, this guy is, you know, this guy and this guy put together. You know, this guy is a LeBron, Kevin Durant put together. You know, like, yeah. Mavs don't have anybody like that, but that's the example. So we're going to go through five players, Dennis, Yogi, Maxi, Barnes, and Jonathan Motley. The movement has started. Hashtag free the Mott. Free the Mott, baby. And that, somebody, somebody tweeted and said, does that mean trade him or play him? I'm like, <laughs> that's true him. because free, free yeah. jaw was, was trade Okafor, but. Yeah. No, we, we want to free him, set him loose into his, his true role in this team. All right, so let's start with him. Let's start with Jonathan Motley. This one was interesting to me, and I came up with two guys, and I don't I don't feel great about it, but I feel like he's a combination of Ennis Cantor and David West. Dude. Okay, so anyway, we have two guys for each of these players. Nick and I haven't talked about it. No. And then I have one guy like I kind of lean towards. So I'll give you two, but then I think one guy of each of these guys, I think they're like – that is who they are or very well could be. And for Motley, I have Cody Zeller 
Ooh. and David West. And I think David West is like his perfect comparison. Yeah, I like the David West more than I liked Cantor. Can bang, can shoot some. And say again, like we haven't seen a ton of Motley, so it's kind of hard at this point to kind of put a a, a finger on what. And Motley I'm going can be. younger David West, like oh yeah, play, yeah playing like, with Chris Paul, David West. Yeah, like New like New Orleans, David West. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I really like that for him. Uh, and then Cantor and Zeller, it's kind of interesting because those are little different players, but I can see the Zeller, like, you know, mobile, you know, pretty. Well, that's the thing as far as what it, once we see more of him, is he going to be a more like quicker, like a, is he going to be fast like Dwight Powell to where he would lean more towards Cody Zeller? Or is he going to be more of like a banger, like kind of slower, kind of like Cantor? And that's, yeah, like a finesse guy, you know? Yeah. We'll have to see that if, if he ever gets to play. Yeah, seriously. All right. Dennis Smith Jr., this one I had I had a hard time with because I didn't want to just go. There's obviously Westbrook, and then there's John Wall, and so you're like, which one would you rather him be more like? And I'm gonna go John Wall, and then the other one I don't know I may I may have mailed this one in, but Dennis Schroeder, he's like a combination mm. of those two. Okay, okay. I have <clears throat> obviously used bigger names, just like you know, use John Wall. I didn't want to go two big <laughs> names though. Well, I kind of did. I need Chris Paul and Lillard because Dennis has this. He reminds. I think when I watch Dennis play, I see more of Chris Paul because Dennis has this ability to get into the lane and he has this patience, pause factor of this this type of stuff that he can play really well beneath the basket that Chris Paul has. He doesn't have the passing vision yet as Chris Paul, but it's just his ability. He is a good passer. His ability to get into the lane and just like hug the defender on his back, kind of on his butt sometimes, and just that reminds me of Chris Ball so much. But I think I lean more towards Lillard because Lillard has shown he'll go through the lane, cock it back, dunk it. He can get to the rim almost at will. I think Damian Lillard is Dennis Smith Jr.'s active players. I think Baron Davis is his best one all the time, but like, Damian Lillard is where I lean more towards. I like the John Wall one a lot, and when they get into the fast break, it reminds me a lot. It's just John Wall. I think Dennis is a better shooter than John Wall. That's my Yeah, he's just not right now. Just, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's just not right. He's obviously, he's one of the worst shooters in the NBA right now. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, Yogi Ferrell. This one I had a hard time <laughs> with, and uh, shot for the moon a little bit. I gave him uh, J.J. Barea and Chris Paul. Okay. Oh, crap. Chris Paul. He's Let's just because Chris Ball to me, I see like compact. He's you know, I think Yogi's a solid defender. He plays a little bit above his weight in that that category, and uh, he gets steals and uh, and yeah, just like a a pure point guard. I hate you know using that term, but I wouldn't say Dennis is a pure point guard. I would say Yogi is a pure point guard. Yeah, I think Yogi's. I mean, dang near perfect um, comparisons. Patty Mills and yeah, that, uh, that one I thought about too. So I have Patty Mills and Jameer Nelson. Oh, I like Jameer. That one's good. A, a combination of both them, but I think Pat of all these people on this list, I think Yogi to Patty Mills is is like insane. Like I think Yogi will be Patty Mills, like in the bag. Once like at his like peak career. Interesting. Maxi. So I went and I changed this one. I kept Porzingis. But then I, I I gave him Larry Nance Jr. again because just the way Larry Nance Jr. I think just the way they look on the floor. Now obviously Maxi doesn't have the ups of Larry Nance Jr. But 
I think a combination of those two because he's got he's a good defender and Larry Nance Jr. is a fairly good defender. Uh, doesn't make a ton of mistakes, but then the Porzingis will he'll take an outside shot for sure and you know defend the rim a little bit better. Okay, the Porzingis. Hmm. Who is the other one besides Porzingis? That that I said. Yeah, Larry Nance Jr. Larry. So okay, so you took Jet, you took skins, Larry Nance, and then adding with Porzingis. Yeah. Um, I went with Kelly Olynyk. Okay. And Derek Favors. Interesting. I like a, I like the Favors one. A combination. I think he can shoot it like Olynyk. Like Olynyk uh, proved he could do in Boston, stretch the floor some. But I think he can bang down low and kind of protect the paint some. Like Favors, not as much. But uh, but yeah, they're, it's kind of. I had Myers Leonard also, kind of thrown yeah. in there. But uh, but yeah, I we'll talk more about Maxine in a little bit. But yeah, Olynyk Favors type. Harrison Barnes. I had Rudy Gay and Paul George. Oh gosh, this was so hard. Yeah, it was. Um, Paul George moves. <laughs> this is really hard because I I love Harrison Barnes. <laughs> um, I wanted to stay away from Tobias Harris. Well, he's older than Tobias Harris. So you... <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in there. I'm gonna throw three names. Nick Batum. Okay. Um, okay. But if I have to go with like older guys. Luol Deng and then Carmelo. Yeah, Carmelo in yeah, the sense no, I can that see he's it. not he's not the playmaker like getting the ball in the post and go get me a basket type. You know, like Paul George. You know, I'm thinking like Paul like somebody or like that's like um or like a Gordon Hayward. That's like Gordon Hayward Paul George. I feel like it's the same type of mold. Like giving the ball at the top of the key to like do the thing and like Barnes can. That's that's kind of what Harrison Barnes does though. <laughs> He ISOs yeah. so much, and he's really good at it. So that's that's but to would me you say why it flow, like, would would it flow as much as like a Hayward or a? Because I used to be in the camp that like he was right there with Gordon Hayward. Oh, that's a bad take. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I, I mean used, no. I'm he's, saying I used to be in there. But. He's parts of these guys though. That's the thing. Whereas yeah, like yeah, yeah. like a Rudy Gay will kind you'll kind of give him the ball, and he's not that much now in San Antonio, but. You'll give him the ball, and he'll basically he'll kind of like stop your offense for a little bit, you know. Yeah, it's just to get his buckets. And I feel like Harrison leans more towards that. Yeah, Rudy Gay. I like the Rudy Gay one a lot. People will throw it out him, and who's another guy? Or Tobias Wiggins, I think. Some yeah, throw Wiggins around. too is another guy. People throw, throw his name around, but yeah, uh, give me Lou Aldang and Carmelo. All right, this was the first question that we got from our guy Max Levy. This is a long question, so stay with me. Uh-oh. Would it be responsible for both sides to do this trade? The trade was as follows. The trade was Wes Matthews, Devin Harris, Nerlens Noel. It's loading right now. I can't remember the rest of them. Uh, for Jeff Green, Iman Shumpert, uh, and, Osmond, ba- and, and, and the Brooklyn pick. Chetty Osman, and there's one more player I can't remember off the top of my head. But it was just a throw-in player, though. It was just another throw-in player. And he says, basically, if Cleveland gives the Mavs the Brooklyn pick, Cavs get help for now, which is Devin Harris and Wes Matthews, potential piece for the future in Noel, who is LeBron's boy. They cut $5 million in cap. Mavs get first-round pick in wings, Green and Shumpert. I don't know if I would touch Shumpert right now. <laughs> I, tweeted, I tweeted the other day that he is a uh, – 
He's like top three in most frequent isolation players in the NBA. Yeah, but there's not a dude I probably wouldn't touch if I was getting the Brooklyn pick. Yeah, that's true. No, I'm just saying I would try to stay away from him. But oh yeah, yeah. And then basically he says, I mean, is there any way the Mavs can get the Brooklyn pick? It isn't as high as Cleveland had hoped, but likely would be around 10. Uh, they are probably hoping for around 1 to 5. Mavs could desperately use any opportunities to get draft picks. This is true. So basically, let's bring it let's break it down like this, Isaac. What do you think about that trade and do you think there's any way for the Mavs to get the Brooklyn pick from N- Cleveland? No and no. Um <laughs> No, I mean, if, if Cleveland, one, I don't think they'll trade a pick. Two, if they do the trade the pick, they can get a much better package for that. Yeah. I think the only way Dallas could even remotely uh, get that pick is if Dallas threw in an, their own pick, like a 2019 first. That's like top three protected or something. Or like, like a that. pick swap or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Pick swap, 2019 first, something like that. But no player, because we're not sending out Dennis, and so like, and we're not sending out Harrison Barnes. So like, and in the deal, they're not getting off like a main salary. You know, like it's it's cool the thing about Nerlens going there, but if you're gonna give up the first round pick, like they can't they can't go over the cap to re-sign Nerlens because they don't won't have his bird rights. So right. If you're getting rid of Tristan Thompson, you might be able to try to pull that off somehow. But I don't, I don't see that happening. I don't, I don't think Dallas can pull it off, and I don't think not in that situation that they would be able to get the the Brooklyn pick. Yeah, it, in this trade, I almost looked at it and said, I don't know if the the Cavs would think that they would need to give up the Brooklyn pick in this trade. <laughs> you know, like yeah. they're giving up that, that that many guys, and you know, and Chetty too in there. And uh, Chetty's been pretty good. People have been excited about him on Cavs Twitter. Um, because you would be shedding, like, that's the thing with Dallas. You would be getting the Brooklyn pick and shedding, like, $8 million next year in cap. Because you'd be taking Shumpert back, which is, uh, right. I think, around, like, 10. 10. And so, like, you do the math, like, eight, 18 for West. Like, so you'd be, like, shedding, like, 8 million in money while take, getting the Brooklyn pick. So, like, I don't, yeah. That would that would be a definite win for Dallas. I just don't think Cavs. He, in, in the trade, he says that the the, the Cavs cut five million in, in cap. So that other player, I think, was um, Channing, Fry. Channing Fry. I think. Huh. So yeah, I I just don't I don't think that's realistic, and I don't think it's possible for the Mavs to get that. Now watch them get it, and just you know. Yeah, I mean the only the no, I mean I don't <laughs> even, like I think I don't. I was in the camp of thinking, hey, this Nets pick isn't going to be like top three, top five, but I still think it's going to be like six to nine, something like that. Like it would still shock me to go outside of the top ten. Well, so. and we went over all summer. We went over how many you know great players can come out of that that range of like nine to thirteen, right? Like Devin Booker recently, yeah. and you know, we just we Paul just talked George, about him yesterday's, yesterday's pod, Trey Young of Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean. That adds if you if you take the top five of next year's draft and then you add in Colin Sexton and Trey Young, then it's a top seven, if you want to say that. So like, you know, if you're if you're Cleveland and you could lose Isaiah Thomas, but you get a Trey Young or Colin Sexton, and LeBron leaves and you build around them, I mean, like, you would trade you would give up that chance at pick eight, right, right to get Wes Matthews and Nerlens who could just leave probably. Yeah, yeah no. So, so. All right, next question. This is from Trenton Carruthers. He tweets us a lot. We appreciate it. Question from him is, do you think that Maxi can be a starter on a good team, not just a filler piece like Zaza for the Warriors? This can be a mailbag question if you'd rather, blah, blah, blah. 
thanks for again for all your hard work. So the question is, right now or in the future? Are we talking Maxi Kleba right now? The way he's playing, can he be a starter on like a playoff team? And I'm talking like a top four playoff team on either side of the bracket. A top four? Um, I don't think so. I think he would. I think he would go towards more of like a Zaza type of filler. Because I like I like Maxi a lot, but I've seen somebody on Twitter say I can't really name anything that Maxi does really well. Yep. And he's a good <laughs> defender and a good shooter. How about that? Like he like he does. He's a good shooter, but I don't like what's his averages. Like I I feel like it's not like just super knockdown. So like that's I'm all about him and I'm all about him going forward. I just don't know if we're if we're at that level yet of saying. You know what? I don't know if we should even target a big in free agency because Maxi could be a playoff starter, you know, like no. right now. And so, like, I would lean more towards like a bench unit guy. But I mean, you put him around, along, around the well. You said it couldn't be a Zaza. So I'm like picturing like if you replace Taj Gibson with him in Minnesota, like that could right. work. Yeah, no, I'm looking at all the teams, and so let's just go through them real quick. Boston, no. No. I don't think he could start for them. Cleveland. No. Yeah, probably. They're not, they're not going to bench Tristan for him. They already did bench Tristan. <laughs> not for him, though. Is he back, though? I thought he still hurt. Uh, Toronto. Could, could you see him stepping in for Valanciunas? Um, I mean, I guess so. I mean, yeah, I guess so. But I think they want to go small with the Bakke at five. Detroit. Lord, no, because I think Tobias starts at four for them. Uh, uh, sometimes could be when, they have, okay. when they don't have when they don't have a whichever Morris they have. Yeah, right. Don't they have a Morris? <laughs> um, Houston, no, Golden no. State, San Antonio, Minnesota. I think Minnesota is like the only one, like you said. Uh, Houston, no. Golden. State, it would. It would right? have to be in that Zaza type role. Like that's that's one. Like so. No, the the answer to his question is no. He would have to be in the Zaza type role because he's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's not like a top. Is he a top three player on a playoff team? Is that basically? Is he a top three player on the Mavericks right now? <laughs> yeah, so like that's the thing. I and I think with where the game's going, he would be better suited for a five. Even though I asked him point blank in practice, "What do you feel better playing four or five? And he's like four because that's what I'm used to playing. I think him at his max potential would be a five. Oh but, well, but. Oh well. I think every player is going to say four, though. I don't know that any player wants to play five. It feels it feels like that with you know Porzingis and Anthony Davis and Cousins. You know all those guys are like I would rather play. Lamarcus Aldridge recently. Al Horford's been yeah, saying it for like ten years. <laughs> so all right, there you go. I'm ready to fully. This is from uh, Connolly. He says I'm ready to fully embrace the Yogi backup point guard era. Wonder if we can get a late first round pick for JJ Barea. Okay, so I'm looking at teams that would want to, and and I I agree with him. I think I am ready for Dennis and Yogi to be the two point guards. I you know JJ has like I've said been the best guard on this team probably at, at, at most points this season, and uh, I think that it's but I think it's also just time to, to kind of move on because it's it's cramping the style. <laughs> Nick, you're saying they should move on from JJ. I think so. I think I think I think I'm saying that. I am a JJ hater. I hate him. (laughs) So, okay. So then, let's just say we want to do that. 
I'm looking at teams that need a backup point guard in the playoffs that have picks. The four teams that I came up with that could use a backup point guard really bad are Boston, and not really bad, but they could use one. Boston, they have Rozier there. He's been doing okay, but you could you could yeah. I think they would go with Rozier over here. But Shane Larkin has been playing a bunch for them too. Oh my god! Right. <laughs> so you throw in JJ Bray as their third guard. Then I think that's a that's an upgrade for sure. But I don't know if he's worth a you know first round pick. But they have a ton. They have a ton of first round picks. They have their own picks and then tons of other picks. So you know they could do something like that. Washington was another one. They basically have their own pick for the foreseeable future. I'm not sure they want to give up a you know their first round, but it wouldn't be super high. Yeah, Washington. When I did ten teams that could trade for Devin, uh, when I wrote about that a few days ago, Washington was like one of the top teams on the list and because they need that. Like they, I mean, they have like Tim Frazier's their backup. And like, so if a team is going to entertain trading a first rounder for JJ, I think you're, you're making that trade with the idea of handing JJ like 25 minutes a night off the bench, 20 yeah. minutes a night, something like that, like a big time role leading your second unit. He would have to be and, worth it for them to give. Yeah. Up and for Washington, like they desperately need it. Like more than probably any of these playoff bound teams, they, need a backup point guard so bad. Um, they would have to ma- match some salaries probably with Sadaransky and uh, maybe somebody else. But, but yeah, I, Washington be tough because they don't, they're not setting on a ton of first. Like, no, they just have nice their own Washington, and that's it. Yeah, if they had like a late first, like if they owned like a Golden State, you know, 2019 first or something, you know, that could be uh, worth entertaining for them. But I don't know. OKC was another team that I came up with. Uh, they just don't have, you know, a ton. In the, would you want him and Felton, though? I think I would rather have JJ than Felton. Yeah, I would, too. Uh, but OKC's draft status is insane. Like, they own theirs <laughs> this year if it's 1 through 14, and then if it's 15 to 30, it goes to Minnesota, and then after that, it's just, I mean, it's insane. Like, it just goes all over, like, it goes all over the place, and I don't know. Like, going going um, forward in the future. So I, yeah. I don't think that could happen. And then Houston was the last one I had. Um, they don't really have a backup to either of those. Houston those is is unreal. I was looking at their – because I put them on the Devin list the other day too because, like, it's crazy that they're so good and they don't have a backup point guard. Like, they just stagger Harden and Chris Paul, and then they have Eric Gordon. Yeah. And, like, that's it. They got Bobby Brown that's like a bench guy. Right, and that's their backup. But, I don't know if he would make the Mavs roster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean it's wild. Like thinking, that's why I think they could be a small play for Devin uh, because he is expiring at the end of the year. You get kind of like a a punch if they could get a JJ or something like that. But that's another one of those teams where like, would you give up a first round pick for a JJ Barrett that right now you really don't have a role for him? It would basically just be insurance. If you're the Houston Rockets, would you rather give up a first round pick for Devin or JJ? Um. JJ because I would have him next year. Yeah. Because because that's the thing. They're doing so well. They don't need anything right now. You would be making the you would be making a trade for insurance in case Eric Gordon, Chris Barson may miss some time. Like getting Devin Harris will probably be fairly cheap if you could throw a second rounder or throw, you know, one of your bench guys or something for Devin and then you give him a minimum roll off the bench, but you actually have a veteran that you can really hold on to and really depend on if Eric Gordon gets hurt or something like that. But 
I'll throw one after you off the top of my head for Port for Portland. Oh yeah, what Portland. That was Portland one I also did. had that I thought about. What if Portland put a first round pick with Harkless for JJ? Brown? Oh yeah, no, I would. I mean, if I'm the Mavs, I would do that 100. percent Harkless is so, a, he's a reclamation project at this point after having started. Well, you're taking on Harkless's salary, so it cuts into your cap over the next two years because he makes around 10 million a year. Um, but as for Portland, dumping Harkless's salary, you attach that first with with him, and then you get a backup. And we already know Portland's not doing anything with their first round picks. They don't know what they're doing with those. What is going on? But like their backup point guard spots is Shabazz Napier, Pat Connaughton, like yeah, that's their backup guards right now. So Ch- they could use a Devin Brand. I was watching Portland versus, um, I think it was the Hornets the other night. And Shabazz Muhammad drove down the lane and finger rolled, and it looked like he was trying to throw an alley oop pass. Like he finger rolled, and it just air, he airballed a finger roll, and it just it baffled the Hornets commentators, and it baffled me just watching it. <laughs> I don't know if he's been that bad this whole year, but that game I watched it was not great. So, yeah, and that was LeBron's boy coming out of the draft, which is funny. But can, back to the original circle, like circling around, can we get a first for JJ Bray? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think that's. I don't think it's realistic. Uh, we could get a, a high second and something, you know. Yeah. But I don't know if any of those teams would would do that. All right. This next question, two questions, come from Chris Chris Woodrow. Uh, he says, "Rank your top ten most likely to be traded current players, including two ways." Oof! I had a hard time with this going just going through rosters because I didn't want to. I didn't. Time. I didn't want to just go two ways uh i wanted to go with like players that i think could be on the move that are rotation ish players and i went with bigger names uh number one i think is george hill i think he is he's definitely i think going to be moved because of that story that came out from nbc sports recently that said that he thought that he said he he was promised that the the kings would be contending so i I don't know what's going on there Contending Nick or Kings. That was my number one. Number two was Luol Deng. And then I don't feel good about any of the rest of them. I have Whiteside, Drogic, uh, Barton and Chandler from Denver, and then Robin Lopez. Okay. I put mine in a couple different categories. So I know it's not one through ten, but I have two big names, DeAndre and Whiteside. DeAndre, I should put on there, yeah. DeAndre, people talk about that a lot. I've been on this whole camp of I really think Whiteside will get traded. Then I have two vets. That are have multiple years on their deal. One of them, like you said, is George Hill, and then I have Vucevic in Orlando. Interesting. I think somebody could get him for sure. Then I got three restricted free agents that people that these teams could decide to unload right now. Randall and Jabari. I have Randall. I don't have Jabari on there, but I have Randall. I have Will Barton, and I have Rodney Hood. Um, yeah, I just don't know if you. I'm going to lose that board bet for sure. <laughs> Rodney Hood and yeah. uh, what, Gary Harris? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I have them, and then I have the three expiring guys, three expiring veterans um, in Greg Monroe. I think he's all but gone. Uh, Marco Bellinelli, I think. Yeah, that's a good Atlanta one. Atlanta will get rid of him, and our own Nerlens Noel. That's fair. So, two surprise. well, Boogie I'm kind of on the fence on because, you know, I, I think some things will heat up closer towards the deadline. Right now, it looks like he probably won't go anywhere. I had Jabari Parker on there before. 
I just that's the weirdest situation in the NBA, and you just don't know what he's going to cost. You don't know what Milwaukee wants to pay him, all that stuff. And uh, the question for me is like, how does he fit with Giannis now? Because Giannis has kind of found his place as the four, and so you bring yeah. Jabari back, and you're like, do you play him as a four? Put Giannis back at three. Or do you, you know, and that this is sort of a weird thing with building around a superstar, especially one that is positionless because you, you know, they eventually the, like the other players on your roster, they will, they have positions They're, They can't all be positionless, you know, unless you're, yeah. the, unless you're the warriors or the, the rockets at some point. And so like these other players, you either move your superstar to a position that's not as good for him because he can play it still really well so that you can maximize the players around him or, you know, you move those players to try to put your superstar in the, the, you know, the position that he could actually play in. So that's, that's kind of a weird thing now in positionless basketball, because there's still, you know, there's still places on the court that you need your player to like your superstar to be in, even though we're saying like, there's no positions, there still are, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And it's like, you look at Milwaukee and say, what do they need? Like, they're not at the top of the East, but like, what do they need? They got Bledsoe, they got Middleton, Giannis, like with a Thon Maker for a, for like a future, you know, like prospect. So they have guys like that. Yeah, like so if you trade Jabari, what are you trying to get, and what can you? So anyway, I put him out there, but I want to throw two names that are that have not been mentioned a ton. Just two names to just keep an eye on. Pat McCall. Yeah, I know I texted you about him the other day about for the Warriors. He's gonna be a restricted free agent. Warriors are not gonna be able to pay what he's gonna get offered this offseason. So. He has to be all but gone. I mean, would you agree? Like, I mean, yeah, I think so. So Pat McCall, and this one it hasn't been thrown out some, but I think could be entertaining is Kimball Walker. Interesting. I think Charlotte could really entertain that. He's gonna Charlotte is man. It's a team to watch. They're the third worst record in the East right now. A lot of people I thought they're gonna be playoff bound. I, I definitely did. I really thought they were gonna be good. And they could. They could still. I mean, Dwight's playing really good, and Kimba's playing good. So it's just if what direction they want to turn. Do they want to trade off one of those big pieces and and uh, shake things up, or do they want to build around Kemba still? And he's going to be a free agent in 2019. What could they get for somebody like him? So anyway, it's just two names I just throw out there. Yeah, I don't see the Kemba one as one at all. I mean, that is a – that's a small market team that you get rid of that guy, and I don't know who comes and watch your games anymore. <laughs> Dwight Howard fans. I guess that's it. That's just all his children. <laughs> the next question also came from Chris Woodrow was, if you could add any non-max player this year, who would it be? I took this in the direction of, this is a player that I can add you know, without any repercussions, really. It has to be a non-max player. I don't have to trade for them. I don't have to really add them in free agency that I can just, like, I guess surreptitiously just add, t- take a player and just add him to the team. Like, just drop him. Just swoop into another roster and snag, snag any non-max player. In the middle of the night, just steal him out their bed, bring him over here. And my player is pretty obvious. And he's going to be on a max contract after this year. But Joel Embiid. Watch Joel that Embiid dude. the other night against the Thunder. That dude is so awesome. He he and Dennis would be so great just personality-wise together. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine them two together. It'd be great. Um, Yeah, Embiid's great. I was For some reason, I was thinking him as Max guy. So He will he be. be I mean, he, he signed that huge deal. It's, it's actually not a Max either, that deal that he signed but, okay. uh, for this upcoming year because it, it also has all these sort of, like, not restrictions, but uh, – uh, oh, what are they called? Um, 
incentives. He has all these like incentives incentives in his contract for you know all these things. So he might not he might be even lower than that, depending on how many games he plays. But that's that's my guy. And other guys I mentioned, Porzingis and Jokic. Jokic is yeah. a guy that he's he's Jokic and Salamejri have the exact same contract this year. They're getting That's paid. So they're getting paid the same amount of money to play basketball this year. Um, I have Jokic on my list, but he's probably like on down a little bit because I just don't know if he could play with Dirk. And they could. Would they be, wouldn't stop anybody defensively, but they would. They would be awesome. It would be weird. Imagine Jokic uh, throwing trailer passes or just throwing like Jokic would make the Mavs half court offense so much better. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah, so sure. much better. Um, but yeah, I had Porzingis also, and then I had two like kind of wings. I had Jalen Brown. I love Jalen Brown. Yeah, I like that one. And uh, and Ben Simmons. I I also had Ben Simmons on my list. I don't know. I, I just think he's that good. Like he's yeah. better than Dennis. Like, That's the thing is he'd be better than Dennis. So he'd come in yeah. and he would take the point guard role. Dennis would be playing off the ball more, and so you just like it's the question that I just po- poised was, do you take your superstar player and in this this scenario? D- Ben Simmons would be your superstar player and then put him in a position that doesn't maximize the players around him so that he can be maximized or take him and move him to a position that wouldn't maximize him as much to maximize the role players around you. It's just <laughs> No, you take the superstar and you build the team around him. So then we'd have to move Dennis. Um, yeah. Yeah. I or I mean or I mean he could be what they think Fultz is gonna be. No. I don't think he's yeah. that good of a shooter, but okay. Also, <laughs> Fultz is not that great of a shooter, but I'm thinking about what they thought Fultz was going to be. <laughs> I just think, I, I mean, I said at the as soon as we taped after the Philly game, we had a mini argument, like funny, and I said I would take Simmons over Embiid. I think he's better than Embiid. And I just, I'm, I, t- I told the story, I called my dad that night, the first night I saw Ben Simmons, I said, he's going to be like a top five player in the league someday. Like, he's that special. Like, I just, so like, a superstar potential guy like that, I mean, I think if you can get him, you just take him. Like, I think he, he has the ability to be a top-five player whenever I think he's, like, already a better, like, all-around player than Jokic, better than Jalen Brown. Um, you could argue the ceiling upside of him and Porzingis, but probably Ben Simmons. I think I think Embiid is also three years older than Simmons. Dang, I didn't know that. Two or three years at least. Because you think about Embiid, he came out and he's been he's been in the NBA for three years already. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. So, all right, the next question came to us from uh, Tiam Bango. I don't know how to say that. But okay. He said, "Who's been more relevant over the past thirty years, the Mavs or the Knicks?" <laughs> I've been having this argument with a sixteen-year-old Knicks fan who, for me, if you're going by just wins, MVPs, finals appearances, championships, the Mavs win every time. Now I looked at this, and on my former podcast, the 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 podcast formerly known as Mavs Fanatic Podcast, Taman went to school in New York. He loves to make fun of the Knicks. We had a fake podcast one time where we called we called our podcast "Keeping It Up with the Knicks." We released one episode. I you know we had our intro and everything. We just made fun of the Knicks for a whole episode. It it was honestly weird how much he talked about the Knicks because they don't <laughs> like. This, it's an Eastern Conference team. The Mavs play them twice. It just had nothing to do with the Mavericks. I don't know why he always brought up the Knicks. It just, it just didn't make any sense. But anytime you'd bring up the Knicks, he would go on a Stephen A. Smith rant about the Knicks. So looking at that, thinking about where the Knicks have been the last you know 10 years or so, whew, rough. But if you look at 30 years, the Mavs have only been around for like 40. 
So you're looking at the first 10 years, you know, the second, you know, decade of the Mavs, they were awful too. So you look at it and you say, well, I would think that the Mavs, they've had this he great. Said, he said 30 years, right? He said 30 years. So I'm, I went back to 19. I'm uh, going back to like 90. I went, yeah, I went back to 1989. You look okay. at All-Stars, Dallas has had 22 and the Knicks have had 24. Can you name can you name the uh, the all stars for Dallas? There's a uh, there's seven of them. They had to be all stars during their time during their time Maverick. during their time with the Mavericks. Josh Howard. That is the first one you name, and it's weird. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dirk Nash Obviously. Nash Finley Finley twice. Um, since the franchise, or you say in the past thirty years? In the past thirty years. With Gosh, the Dallas did kid, Mavericks. Did Kid make it? Twice. Kid made the it Mavericks? in his second stint with the Mavericks. Okay. Yeah, okay. When he was old. Um, so how many am I at There's now? There's two left. Two left. Is one Marion whose uh, one jersey's retired. And Isaac, we, <laughs> the uh, connection is bad. There you go. Okay, now say it. Are you still there? I'm here. Our connection is back now. We totally just lost connection just then. <laughs> well, I asked if Sean Marion made it, and you just froze. And I'm like, <laughs> dang, he's really thinking about that. <laughs> no, I said his jersey's retired, and then you were really thinking about it. <laughs> his jersey's retired. Uh, Blackman? Yeah, and then Chris Gatling was one that I just never get. I I just huh. I have I, was I, know, say I know nothing about him. And then the Knicks, they had twenty four. It's Ewing nine times, Mello six times, Allen Houston twice, and then Tyson Chandler, who got one that should really count as the Mavericks. Mark Jackson, David Lee, Charles Oakley, who doesn't count because they threw him out of the arena. Latrell Sprewell, John Starks, and Amari Stoudemire made an All Star team with the yeah. with the Knicks. So those are their All Stars. You're basically. Well, I was saying you're basically arguing the 90s Knicks versus the 2000 Mavs. Right, because so let me let me bring it to this. So you look at their playoff streak, their longest playoff streak in that time. The Dallas went on a 12-year run where they made the playoffs every year. The Knicks went on a 14-year run where they made the playoffs every year, and they made the finals twice in that time, and so did the Mavericks. The only difference is the Mavericks won one of those titles, obviously. So, yeah, like what you said, you're looking at the 90s Knicks, who are – a pretty good comparison to the to the you know two thousands Mavericks. You have Ewing is Dirk, yeah, and you just have all the guys around him because he didn't have a ton of all stars around him. You look at the you look at that list of all stars. You had uh, like Spreewell, Starks, Oakley, Mark Jackson. You know, Allen Allen Houston, Allen Houston a little like, bit. They made their run. They made to the finals against Orlando and Shaq and them. Like you know, they got whatever. Uh, no, 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 no. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals with it. They made it to the finals against Houston. Akeem and them just, yeah. you know, said see ya. Um, you know, and then they made it later on in the 90s too. But I think, I mean, I think you have to give it to Dallas because the just winning a title yeah. means so much and means so much for so long. And the fact that Dirk's legacy is bigger than Ewing's. Right. Um, so, like, and when you look at past – when you look at Hall of Famers that went through Dallas, as far as Nash, Kidd, you know, these guys are constantly brought up as who are the greatest point guards of all time. Those guys are thrown in, Dirk, stuff like that. And then you look at New York, even though they had decent supporting cast, they had all stars, like, you know, not a lot of, you know, just really NBA 
non NBA nerds is going to know who John Starks is or Charles you know, Oakley I, or David Lee or you know yeah stuff like that. Now you know Melo had they had a couple years there that I just watched a game of the other day or like the end of a game when they went, went to the second round of the playoffs and they beat you know the KG and then Boston Celtics team hilariously and, with Jason Kidd and Tyson Chandler. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean it was just wild, but uh, but no, I mean I have to. Uh, they just the Knicks were just so weird for so long after Ewing, and just have to give it to Dallas. Yeah, Dallas did have their they had their downs though <laughs> at the beginning of this. They were definitely not a great team. But you look at the wins, the total wins in that time. So since 1989, the New York Knicks have had 1,213 wins. That's 16th all time, or 16th in that that uh, time range. And the Dallas has had 1,256. So. 43 more wins in that time for the Ma- for the Mavericks. They are 13th ranked. Can you guess the top five most regular season wins since 1989? It will surprise you a little. <laughs> uh, San Antonio. San Antonio is number one. Um, There's. I mean, you want to say Chicago off the bat, but nope. I don't think they'll be a top five. They were not they top were- five. The. Uh, after Scotty and MJ left, there's another uh, one that it that seems that it's pretty obvious they won a bunch of Lakers. titles. Lakers is three. Okay. Um, the other one, they're really good what? right now. You mentioned them; they won two titles. I mentioned them. Mm-hmm. They played oh, Houston. Houston, they, yeah. Houston okay. Rockets are number five. Number two and four are the ones that are going to totally surprise you. Number two, D- Detroit. No, they had a. They're in the West. They had. Two really good players for a long time. Utah. Utah Jazz are number two most yeah. most regular season wins since eighty nine. And then number four, this is a franchise that moved. So they uh Sonics? The Sonics slash Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh they count the th- okay, yeah. That, they get their history. Huh. That counts. So For sure. That was Yeah, I mean Kemp Kemp and Peyton. I mean, those are Hershey Hawkins, Dell Ellis, those are the days, man. That was super surprising to me that Utah and Oklahoma City. I just don't you just don't think about Utah as being that good because I just don't remember them as much. Well, after after Malone went, you know, Stockton retired and Malone went ring chasing for, you know, with the Lakers there. And if he <laughs> didn't get injured, the maps. So. If he didn't get injured, the Lakers would have won that title. Oh my gosh! Um, they had no answer. Nick's, for Nick's Lakers fanboy. Um, but no, I mean it, it's kind of weird because they did drop off some, but then, you know. These past multiple years, I mean, with Gordon Hayward and stuff, they've been doing well since Dennis Lindsay came along. Yeah. Second to last, qu- second to last question. Oh, so we say that the Mavericks are more relevant because of the title win oh, yeah. and because Dirk's legacy is better than than Patrick Ewing. So at the top, uh, but they're pretty even if you look at the '90s. You know, Knicks in the 2000s, Mavericks. All right, second to last question. This came from you. <laughs> Rank these Mavericks in order of most likely to be traded to least. Uh, is Devin, Wes, Salah, and Nerlens. So rank those guys and who you think will be most likely who's most likely to be traded. I think we both agree that number one most likely to be traded is Nerlens Noel. Yes. Yes, I agree with Nerlens. After that, I have Salah, then Devin, then Wes. Salah, Devin. That's exactly the order that I had. I think Salah is like right there with Nerlens as a really, really, really good chance to get traded. So. Yeah, especially if, especially if he has like a couple more games that he gets frustrated, like he did recently. You know, he, he's like, 
I'm I'm done. He makes some more comments to the media, you know, something uh, that'll get him out. And of they that. have an easy replacement. Like if they did trade Salah for a second round pick, they have Motley and Withy right there behind him. He's 31. He's gonna be a restricted free agent this summer. He could be re- very helpful to a playoff team right now. So he has a really good translatable <coughs> skill that can just go anywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I almost put Salah over Nerlens, but it's just reached a point with Nerlens. That so. it has to be. Yeah. And then Devin and West, they're, the Mavs are really holding on to West Matthews. I, I don't think that they're going to trade him. It just I don't know why but they seem so reluctant to do so. They think that you know the they need him around to uh, you know to help with Dennis's development. Uh, you know, whatever you want to say about that. I didn't put McRoberts in this in this list either, but no. McRoberts would be right up there with Salah and Erland. Too Much to uh, Doyle's chagrin. <laughs> but no, I was just going to say with Wes, in order to trade Wes, you would almost have to take back a, a bigger contract. And that whole idea that a lot of people keep on throwing around with Dallas and, hey, we're sitting on $12 million in cap space, we could take on a bigger contract and get an asset. Something to keep in mind with that. If we do that, if Dallas does that, that pushes back the rebuild even farther. So, if you take depending on, on what they get back from that, if you take on a Tristan Thompson or an Alec Burks or something, you know, some of these double-digit millions dollars that's multiple years, and you get a first back, then that's cutting into your cap space over the next couple of years, and you know you're getting a first-round pick for it, obviously. So, it's just, yeah, it's just something. It, it kind of might signal a direction too. As far as how long, you know, how quick do they want to turn this rebuild around, or do they want to, if they really want to stretch the rebuild out, then they can, you know, start accumulating a bunch of these draft picks. So I have two examples of how what you just said can work and how it could not work. Look at what the Pelicans did when they got Omar Ashik. That guy, that contract is on their books. He wasn't double digit, but it was huge at the time it was like nine million something like that just for five years or something like that and he's just been on their roster and just been you know, horrible <laughs> terrible and an anchor for them another one that I, I remember happening was the warriors shedding they shed beadrance and richard jefferson to the uh to the jazz that was really good for them and it it ended up working out for the jazz because they just end up getting they get they got enough assets in that that i think became good pieces for them and they ended up having that run with um like darren williams i think so it's it can work either way just depends on what move you get what you get back what assets you get back with it so that's what we forgot in the utah stuff before is the darren williams years years. yeah Yeah. jerry sloan stuff yeah anyway yeah, it just depends on what you get back. Can you can you avoid a situation like New Orleans to where you get somebody like like that's unplayable, like Oshik? Or could you get somebody like an Alec Burks from Utah that still has a decent cap hit like Dwight Powell, but you can actually like get him minutes too? Could you go to Portland and get Mo Harkless? Would it be worth taking on Myers Leonard for a first round pick? You know, stuff like that. You you just really have to look at these teams across the league that want to cut back on their luxury tax or to open up cat space next summer that's willing to attach an extra first with you know a bigger contract so yeah that's that there haven't been a lot of teams like that recently except for the nets <laughs> basically that's been the one team that's kind of capitalized on this this sort of situation 
Yeah, well, you know, and that's what the Lakers, your boys, are setting back saying right now to the whole league. You know, what's it going to take to take Luol Deng? Because they got screwed. And, and you know, a lot of, you know, you know, almost everybody around the league saying Brandon Ingram. And who are they going to budge or are they not? And it's, yeah, I just don't think Julius Randle is going to be enough for them to take on. So, yeah. All right. Last question. Do you think Maxi can become the next Dirk? This comes from our boy Trevon. All right. I quit. Let's just end the pod, Nick. If we're going to sit here and, and, and spend a whole segment on people, people bashing everybody that's saying Porzingis is the next Dirk. We can't. We're not allowed to. Ask, we're not. We're not allowed to ask if Maxi can be the next Dirk. If people are getting crucified for asking if Porzingis is going to be the next Dirk, just for reference, though, let's look at their rookie. Their rookie stats, okay? Oh my god! Just Here for reference. Look, Here's a stat. Let's just look at it for reference, okay? So, Dirk was tw- was uh, 20 years old. Maxi is 26. <laughs> Uh, Dirk averaged eight points. Maxi is averaging six points. They both averaged three rebounds and uh, less than one block, less than one steal. Uh, Maxi is averaging 18, basically 19 minutes. Dirk averaged 20 minutes. Maxi right now is shooting 57% from the field. Dirk shot 40% from the field. Maxi is shooting 36% from three. And Dirk is shot 21% from three in his rookie year. And then from free throw, Maxi is shooting sixty-seven percent, and Dirk is shooting seventy. Dirk shot seventy-seven percent. Interesting. Interesting. So Maxi will never be another Dirk. Maxi a little better from the floor. Dirk better from the free throw line. A couple more points. Go ahead and crown it. Go ahead and crown him, Nick. Dirk Dirk took uh, three more shots a game though, so that that that's the uh, the extra two points there. All right, that was kind of a joke question. Uh, but we appreciate all the questions. I'll get to a couple more that we didn't get to in my mailbag that's written out for the uh, for Mavs Moneyball. I'll, they'll probably be up Monday, maybe Tuesday. What do you got? What I have, I just um, let <laughs> just put out the trade deadline or trade season guide for the Mavericks. Uh, I have a couple things coming out this week. It's trade related. Trying to get all the trade stuff done to. Uh, just have everything set up for the next month or so. Christmas is coming up, so that'll be fun. We've got a couple games. Uh, as you're listening to this, we have a home game tonight. What uh, against the Phoenix Suns? So it should be a good, should be a good bounce back game. I think Dennis is questionable for the game. Yeah, via Tim McMahon, um, he is. He's questionable for the game. Devin Booker should still be out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, so hopefully a bounce back for that. Tyson Chandler back in Dallas. Always fun, man. Man, it's, that game becomes so unwatchable if Dennis and Devin don't play. That's that's bad. Booker always seems to kill us too, but uh but no, it's good to see Tyson back. I talked to Tyson last year for a Dirk piece and he's just the greatest dude ever. You talk to anybody in the organization about Tyson Chandler, they just say he's like the best human being ever. So he walks in there, he's like a celebrity. Everybody just loves on him and it's always cool to see Tyson Chandler back. In the AAC, so and his name is in the rafters. <laughs> Let's make sure we watch him tonight. His name is in the rafters, so he he there is some respect with his name because they wrote all the names on the championship poster. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Thank you for your mailbag questions. We will do this again, so get your questions in then. Uh, and we appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Locked On Mavs. Boom! Forest forward, the Mavs are better.